again because i warn you every week when we sit down and talk current events with cameron like from this it's all downhill from here this is as good as it gets this is good so, as it gets all right you are getting a rare treat for two weeks in a row i'm michael there's I'm, lou over there hey there this is lou and we have gathered together this week to tell you that where you live will determine how you live mm. and that has nothing to do with your geography nothing to do with red state blue state up down one fish two fish red fish or the blue fish <laughs> I'm getting the look. Like, yes. is it Dr. Seuss's birthday? Have I missed a meeting? Yeah, I missed the no. meeting. <clears throat> no, excuse me. I, <clears throat> I'm coughing already. That's how much trouble we are already in. All right, what are we talking about? Well, let's just dive right into Matthew chapter 18. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. All right, if you don't know from that lovely little passage, we are talking about church discipline today. Hmm. It's good for you. It will do you good. Why do I say it will do you good? Well, because Jesus gave it to you, and Jesus has given you everything so that you may have life and have it abundantly. So Mm -hmm. there you go. So if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. All right, stop. Let's make sure we cover the obvious stuff up front, because sometimes the obvious stuff is not so obvious. You discover that common sense is not always so common. So your brother's going to sin. We get this. This is going to happen. It's a reality of the New Testament. Yes. John picked up on this. You know, the dude walking around with Jesus for three years in Galilee and doing all the fun stuff. What did John tell you? I'm looking at the wrong page. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Dad nabbit. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I want to be good. I want to be perfect. But if I say there's no sin, I'm deceiving myself, which means that, that I have what? <gasps> I have sin. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. See, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. What is the assumption here from Jesus? That if you show a brother his fault in private, he will do what? (gasps) He might acknowledge it. I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. You know this whole repenting thing that we're supposed to be doing on a regular basis? Right. Turn back to God. Yeah, Yeah, this was was the first... One other thing that I think is is not so obvious, and I think you've, I mean, just in the way that you're talking, your brother, right? Yeah, think about it. We're talking about two believers here. Talk about fellow believers. We're, this, we're not talking about somebody, your neighbor next door. No, this isn't Joe Schmo who yeah. you just see every once in a while at the grocery store be like, hey, quit beating your kids. Look, if you see somebody beating their kids, tell them to quit beating their kids. But <laughs> didn't tell you not to do that. But at the same token, 
our primary <laughs> energy is supposed to be held in the fellowship in the community of believers. Yeah, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. We, we, ha- we are accountable to each other, whether we like it or not. Now, this is who we are, and this is what we do. So if he listens to you, you have won your brother. This is part of the one another's. Paul picked up on this, uh, Galatians 2, or Galatians 2, Galatians 6, 1, one and two. 2. If I yeah. could read, you know, in a straight line, we'd be all set. Yeah, we'd be good. Brethren, there's that brother again. <laughs> Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, in other words, you who are believers, you who know the truth, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Mm. You know, we wrote an old hymn about this, you know. Mm. When we walk in the Lord, in the light of his word. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's trust and obey. Trust well, look and up obey. trust and obey, it'll do you good. It's an yeah. old Baptist standard for the last time. i have to look that up. Yeah, it's I've the, been really it's, getting into the older hymns. It's, I like them. Oh, that's a, that's a beautiful one. That's the one that we ruined in church, though, because it's like one of the rotation that we play only at the end of the service when we're trying to make you feel awful about yourself to get you to come forward. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, altar call time. Yeah, it's one yeah. of the altar calls. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's what is it? It's trust and obey. Um, turn your eyes upon Jesus, and oh, what's the other one? Going to drive me nuts that I can't think of it. You'll think of it when you're not. Yes, yeah, when to, I'm not yeah. here, and I've already yeah. uploaded this. But oh, there's a goodie that, like, if if you could, if you find a Baptist over the age of seventy, be like, what song was playing when you got saved? They'll be able to tell you. Hmm. And it's this song, and I can't for the life of me think of what it is. It's this song, huh? It is, and I can't think of it. And oh, this is going to drive me insane. But okay, All right. if I just sit here long enough, we're going to never get anything done. So, if you're caught in trespass, spiritual ones, faithful fellow believers, go restore such one. How would I restore him? By going back to Matthew 18, showing him his fault, showing him his fault in private. When right. he repents, he's returned. We've won. This is an interesting principle that people. Um, they kind of get it wrong sometimes. They want to put you on blast out in the open oh, yeah. in front of everybody. But that's not the way we do it up front. Up it front, shouldn't be. Up front, no, we be, go to be, them in private. Because the assumption should be, see, this is one of those things that if you don't do this for your fellow brother, please start doing this. Mm-hmm. Give Christians the benefit of the doubt. Right. Assume they are doing this horrible, awful sin that is beyond comprehension simply because they just don't realize that they're doing it. Right. That should be the assumption. So I go and be like, hey, psst, did you know that you dot, 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 dot? Because the assumption is the answer you're going to get is, no, I did not know that. Oh, my goodness, how long have I been doing that? How long have you noticed this? Well, mm-hmm. And then we freak out, run to Jesus, and we're good. Yeah. It's going to kill me. I can't think of the name of that song. Hang <laughs> oh, hang on. You ready? Here. Here. Hold on. Cameron, because you're running around. What's the number one Baptist altar call song of all time? That's it. It's just as I am. See, I knew my wife would know all things musical. This is why we do current events with her, because she knows these things. Why isn't she in the booth? (laughs) Just as I am without one plea. I don't even know. You guys should really see this. This is good stuff. I'm swaying back and forth. You can see the heavenly glow behind me. That or it's glare. I can't quite tell, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I got burned out as just all right, story time. I got burned out on just as I am because I was in a revival service okay. and we were singing that for the altar call song. For three hours straight. Don't mock. Oh. Don't mock my pain. <laughs> in choir robe in North Carolina in August. Oh my. Dying. And we sang that song all six verses. We sang all six verses eight times. Oh my. Eight. 
my father-in-law was in the choir next to me, and about about sing through number four, he just taps me. Then I had to get louder because he was like, I need a break. And then I sang it through like two more times, and then I tapped him, and then he started singing again so I could take a break. I mean, it's like, I just can't do it anymore. I don't have a voice. Oh I can't. I mean, all six verses wow. is brutal. We were like, change the song. Please. Just flip the page. Just flip the page. You can do it. Flip the page. Yeah. I don't know how I couldn't think of just You were willing them. The force was Yeah, I was trying. Enough, yeah. I was trying. It was to the point that if like a per- <laughs> the, the, the line at the front would get shorter from the people in line to come forward. Mm-hmm. And then like it would get down to like two people left and then somebody else would get up. And you genuinely didn't like that person. <laughs> it's like we are not in the right frame of mind like you're praying for their souls and i'm praying that we'll sit down <laughs> just just take a seat just buddy. sit we'll talk about it we'll later. Talk about it later i will volunteer to talk to you about it later if you will please i will buy just your sit lunch. down just sit <laughs> down now don't be like that in a revival service. Walk with one another. Why? Because James agrees with Paul and Jesus. What an idea. James 5. Brethren. Again, that brethren talk. Brethren. If any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, how would you turn him back? By going and saying, hey, Joe. And by the way, if your name Joe, I'm not picking on you. Though you're, you're like extra sinful. It's just a name that's in my head right now. Like, Joe, did you know? And he's like, no, I didn't. Congratulations. You have now turned Joe back. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. But I thought Jesus saved his soul from death. He does. He does. But what if you live uncaring about your sin and uncaring about your repentant heart? What you're demonstrating is that you have no Jesus. Hmm. So by you going to your brother and exposing his sin to him, do you know what you're actually giving him an opportunity to do? You're actually giving him the opportunity to prove the work of Christ. That is a blessing. Mm-hmm. That is part of the means of grace. Means of grace. The means of grace. Don't ask me where that accent just came from. Grace. Yeah, grace. I don't know. That's part Russian, part Jamaican going on right there. I That's no awesome, idea. man. Hey, I'm, people listening to us are going to dig that. Yeah. I'm t- well, see, I've almost been slapped before story time number two. Oh. I was in a restaurant in the deep south with my wife and my mother, and we were just sitting there talking. And those, when the waitress came up, and she, like, deep country accent, and she literally just plops up there and be like, what y'all want to eat? Nice. And I turned and looked at my wife and mother and went, what y'all want to eat? And they looked at me like I had just landed from Mars. Yeah, and the waitress gave me a dirty look. And I'm like, I think we're going to need a minute. Mm. And they're like, what's everybody's problem? What did I do? Like, you're all looking at me like I just strangled a kitten live at the table. And they're like, you made fun of her. Made fun of who? I didn't even know I did it. I just repeated exactly what she said exactly the way she said it. See, this is what happens when you move from New England with a hard New England accent. Mm-hmm. And you move to the deep south when you're a child. Oh my. Everybody from the South calls me a Yankee, and everybody from New England calls me a redneck. You have no way out. No, I'm doomed. Yeah. I don't, I don't belong anywhere. Nobody wants me. <laughs> so there you go. All right. End of story time. <laughs> Learn how to talk, kids. It'll do you good. <laughs> There's the it lesson. Might. It might. It might. It, might get you it in should, trouble. anyway. Get some water here. So this is what this boils down to, though. This is how we work with one another. We are proving Christ, not that Jesus needs our help, but in that giving the opportunity for his work to be applied, for his grace to be manifested, for our hearts to be enlightened, for our souls to be uplifted. We are given all of these things with the one another's. When you see sin, you say sin. Right. When someone else sees sin in you, they should come say it to you because your first thought should be, I need to repent. Right. I don't want this kind of darkness in my life. Right. And, and you know, talking in, in terms of proving, I mean, one of the characteristics of a believer is what? 
humility, right? It's supposed to be. We, we shouldn't be puffed up. So when a brother comes to us and says, hey, look, man, you know, did you know you were doing this? Or did you know this was a problem? And yeah, the answer he should be no, I didn't. Yeah, he, he, should, he should be humble enough to say, well, thank you for bringing this to my attention. I didn't realize I was doing that maybe. Um, and, then, and then they get to walk through this, the whole issue. Does it ever work like that, though? No. No. And no. you know who knew that? God knew that. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Hence verse 16. But if he does not listen to you, don't mm-hmm. you hate it when God knows you better than you do? Mm-hmm. Take one or two more with you, so that the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. All right, right. notice this, though. It's almost like, hey, you know, you, you realize Joe's not going to listen the first time you go to him, right? So what do you do? Hey, go get two or three more witnesses, preferably, you know, wise, mature Christian believers, mm-hmm. elders in the church. Some upright people. Yeah, people who have some respect about them, who are respected in the congregation. Bring them. Why? So you can really dig into him. No. No. So that you can go, Joe, this is what I see. And Larry and Dave here. They see it too. Tell them, Larry. Tell them, Dave. Mm -hmm. And we can lovingly go back to what we were doing with 1 John 1, Galatians 6, James 5, and verse 15. Mm -hmm. Explaining what's gone wrong, explaining what we don't see. Why? Because we love and care about our fellow brother. I mean, this was another song that, you know, Christians wrote. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Why do we write that song? Because Jesus said those words. Mm -hmm. How do we demonstrate our love for a brother who is wandering away in sin? By going, hey, don't do that. And we don't just yell at you from the shore. We wade out into the muck and the mire and go, no, shore is this way. Come with us. You too can be sound. You too can be found. You too can rejoice. Now, why do we live like this? Because this is how God actually functions. Go read Luke 15. I will not read it to you because it's like 30 some odd verses. It's fantastic. I mean, there's several parables in there. Yeah, it's the lost sheep. The lost coin and the prodigal son. Three parables all telling the same lesson. So there's, what, the 99 sheep. Mm -hmm. One goes wandering off. Or is it 100 sheep? My brain just didn't want to work. One goes wandering off from the 99. Yeah. And so he goes and finds it. And who do we rejoice over? The 99 who stayed home? No, it's the one. No, we rejoice over the one who, I once was lost, but now. Apparently it's a musical today. Apparently. Apparently. It's a good one, too. I like that song. Well, yeah. If nothing else, read your hymnal. It'll do you good. Right. Right. And if you don't have a hymnal, there's all sorts of good websites for hymns. Like hymnary.org is a good one. You can find you can find hymnal websites. God is concerned about where we are in the kingdom. I mean, if we're wandering off, he wants one of his one of his other, you know, the the shepherds to go find the sheep. Yes. And look, same thing with the lost coin. You get the same you you rejoice about the coins in the bank or the one that you found on the floor? The one that you found. And if you don't believe this is true about your life, have your checkbook be out of balance for about twenty minutes and see how you feel. Yeah, it's a disconcerting feeling. Yeah, isn't what, it? When what do you, you do? Find word what do you do? Mistake. You're like, wait a minute. Yep. And you know what's frightening? What's more frightening? When the bank says you have more money or the bank says you has less have less money? See, it's much more frightening to me when the bank says you have more money than you actually think you have. Because you're like What didn't come through? Yeah, what did they do? Yeah. Like, wait, the bank says I got ten dollars, but I only think I have five. Well, well, the IRS is scamming me. I've been caught up in a pyramid scheme. I'm going to jail. Something's wrong. And you panic. <laughs> <laughs> Conversely, though, what kind of relief is the bank says, you know, you got this and you got to be like, I found the money. Yay. It's the same idea. If we can do this with something simple as balancing a checkbook, why can't we do this with the balance of the kingdom? Why can't we do this with our fellow believers and actually, you know, live and rejoice and celebrate who they are, how they live and their repentance? You know, this is the Martin Luther thing. When when Christ says that the Christian should be repenting, he means that all of life 
should be a life of repentance. Right. That was the first of his theses. And in a paraphrase, I translated the German for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, and this is the parable of the of the prodigal son too. It's less a parable about the kids, but more about the father and his grace, because both kids are lost. One just doesn't know it, and then one realizes it. And who does the father rejoice over? The one that he, yeah, the, the son that the came back, the one that has yeah. returned. Yeah. Now, this is one reason rejoicing in the fellowship. There is a second reason, however, it is that you know this is actually just biblical wisdom at work. Yeah. yeah. And this is this is your Deuteronomy nineteen. A single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or any sin which he has committed. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. This is an interesting thing that you point out. I mean, there's, there's an a intertextuality in the New Testament. I mean, the New Testament writers are constantly referring back to the wisdom that yes. they were taught all their lives. But we don't, you know, if we don't read our whole Bible, we don't know that don't they're talking attention. about things that have See, been previously taught. This is biblical wisdom in action. Right. You went to your brother convinced of his sin. You explained it to him. He didn't agree with you. Right. Well, now you have to prove a case now, don't you? Right. See, if he agree- agrees with you, you've won and we go home. But what if he doesn't agree with me? Now what do I do? Right. I go find two or three witnesses. You know why you should do this, by the way? Because what if the two or three witnesses actually agree with your brother? Right. Then you, pr- then you your misunderstanding has now been corrected. Now who's in sin? Right. Now I'm in sin because I brought accusations against my brother that are not true. Right. I have misunderstood something or I stuck my nose where it didn't belong. Now who gets to repent? And there's a level of punishment that I don't think we, we appreciate in the New Testament at, or as believers in the century that we live in. You know, most of the punishments that were meted out in the Old Testament, the witnesses were the ones yes. meeting the punishment out, yeah. stoning yeah, a person. You drag the adulterous woman and man before the crowd. You throw the first heavy rock. Right. Not the third. I mean, they talk about yeah, it in the Perkope adultery, like, but that, that is the reality of it. Yeah, this isn't a get the angry mob. We, we think of that as like the angry mob being stirred up, and once it gets going down the hill, it doesn't stop. No, no, no. No, this was everybody's going to get their rock and wait. And what are we waiting for? We're and what waiting. should that do, though? Well, that, because that makes it serious. Because, it's, I've, because right. whose conscience do I have to live with? I have to live with, I just threw my pen across the room. <laughs> I have to live with my own conscience, right. which means I have to be able to look at everybody else in this room and say, no, 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 I saw it. This happened. I'm serious. Yep. And this is real. And yep. I will prove it by chucking the big heavy rock. Right. I mean, the assumption is the member of the community is not a sociopath. Right. That should be especially it's, true in the members of the believing community. Right. If there's one place we shouldn't, we should be able to root out the sociopaths. It's church, right? Right. We and it's be, a it's a protective measure. It is that God's word innately has built into it, and that and it's and it's there for again for our good, mm-hmm. for God's glory, for the life abundant of the Christian. Right. Integrity so, in the word. Exactly. Jesus continues. If he refuses to listen to them, so that's the two or three witnesses. So they've confirmed they're on your side. We've all gone to Joe, and Joe has you know told you to go somewhere. He's in denial. Yeah, Joe has <laughs> told you to take a long walk of short pier. Tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, catch that real quick. Catch that distinction. You tell it to the church, not so that the church immediately votes him out, so that the church can do what? Church can go, Joe. Come on, we, here, yeah. this is this is what dude and Larry and Gary and Bob have all said, and you know we see this, and we we don't want this for you, right? But we're a community of brothers and sisters yes, in the Lord. We're not yes. looking to kick you out the very first time you fall. Now, that's the next step because then if he refuses to listen even to the church, then let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Yeah, Why? nothing worse than a Gentile. <laughs> Or those tax collectors. See, even in Jesus' day, nobody likes the IRS. Nobody. (laughs) 
Nobody. See, I don't call anybody Gentiles anymore. My my personal insult for my family members, especially, is the uncircumcised Philistine. Philistine. Oh, yeah. that's no, a good un- to go uncircumcised one. Uncircumcised Philistine. Oh, that's a really good one to go with. Yeah. yeah. Every time my wife does anything remotely uncouth, that's what I call her. <laughs> nice. And I get the look. You get the look. I get yeah. the look. Which I'm surprised I, you don't get the frying pan too. Which I have told you before. My entire motivation in life is to get the look from my wife at least 17 times a day. So, I mean, that, it, it is yeah, part pretty of ambitious goal. It is part of the joys of being married is that I can <laughs> I can just get the the blank stare and the blink like, you know, Jehovah's Yoga. Witness resetting the mechanism. You're going to die. Yeah. Like so yeah, she'll grab something out of the refrigerator and like eat with her fingers and like you uncircumcised Philistine. <laughs> she just looks at me like, "What is wrong with you?" I'm like, "I'm funny. That's what's wrong with me." Oh. There you go. Now, now, here's the thing. Why do we treat them as a Gentile and a tax collector? Right, tax collectors are evil because they've sided with Rome as opposed to the people of God. The Gentiles are considered as evil in this parable or in this teaching, not because they are evil in and of themselves, but because they are apart from the law. They are outside the covenant. Right. So in this, outside in, of the covenant. In this, in, this, in, in this instance, Jesus is using Gentile as not covenant people. Right. Well, so. e- even from an Old Testament perspective, people, when they sinned like that, they were cut off from their people. And, and it wasn't a forever thing. It was until they repented. And that's the idea. Why? Because First Peter 1 <coughs> quotes Leviticus, and it says what? It quotes Leviticus at the end here. Prepare your minds for action. Actually, it starts off with a therefore, and the reason we're not covering the therefore is I don't want to read the other nine verses. Go read the rest of First Peter to do you good. Right. But the therefore is based on Peter's just laid out the gospel, saved by grace, saved by the work of Christ, reserved for you in heaven, all of that good stuff. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Sounds very similar to Romans 12 there, doesn't it? It sure does. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Mm-hmm. Peter's doing two things here. One, he is connecting the church as a covenant body to Israel of the Old Testament as a covenant body. Covenant body then is covenant body now. And two, he is explaining that the way you live matters because it's a demonstration of the reality of the covenant that you are in. Yeah. You name the name of Christ, therefore you should live a certain way. Well, what if I'm not living that way? Then the other people who name the name of Christ will come to you and say, hey, that's not how we do this. Right. And it is then incumbent upon you to say, my bad, I will now go this way. Right. Now, again, Peter doesn't pull this out of left field. He takes this from Jesus. One of my favorite Bible verses to quote, Luke six forty six. Yeah, Why so do you boring. call me Lord and not do what I say? Yeah, let that sink in for a minute, folks. That's what Jesus is saying. Why do yeah. you call me Lord? How do you claim to be my people mm-hmm. and yet not do anything that I told you to do? Right. And then, then he gives the explanation, the, the two soils, right? right? You either build your house on the rock or you build your house on the sand. Because the storms, they are a coming. Ask Texas. Mm. They're coming. They're coming for you and your energy grid, and they're going to tear you down. Yeah. Unless you are built solidly upon the rock, you too will crumble. Right. You will. Exactly. And that's the warning here. It's the reality of life. It is. This side of Eden, it is. Yep. It absolutely is. Now... That is why all of this matters, and that is why Jesus can then finish. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now, notice the language there. That is not because you have authority. It is not whatever you bind on earth I will bind in heaven. No, whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. When you go to Joe and say, Joe, you can't be doing this. You're not declaring Joe a sinner. 
Joe's sin has already done so. Mm-hmm. What you are merely doing is agreeing with the judgment of God that says Joe is unrepentant, therefore he is cast out. Yeah. On a side note, <clears throat> notice the language. It's whatever, not whoever. Yeah. So you're not binding and loosing demons uh, well, from the pit of hell and blah, blah, blah. You're just no fun, okay? Okay, sorry. You're I just, just had, no you know, fun. a little bit of my former lifetime <laughs> coming out, some of the things that really bothered me. You don't want to be that little lady at the end of Poltergeist? I have exercised the demons. <laughs> Binding and loosing. This house is clear. <laughs> I could see that now. Thank yeah, you she, for she that. She stands at the top of the stairs. That's at, right. She's not a midget, but she's not, not she's, tall. Uh, I bet you she is by, by legal... Uh, I don't know. She's like 4'3 or something. I think... I but think four foot seven is the cutoff is for really? that. I think so. Oh, okay. The only reason I know is I was my, about to say, why do you know that? My daughter is very short, and she's always been joked about, you know. And so she's she like, looked it up, and I believe it's four foot seven. Is <laughs> not self conscious at all, there, huh? <laughs> wee one. <laughs> Zacchaeus was a wee little man. See, I told you it's a musical. Oh, day. here we go. There you go. See, there's a song for everything. Now, again, notice this: we are not declaring anything. We are merely describing what is already true. Again, because who has this kind of power? Only God. God has this yeah. power. John, Jesus is the one, Philippians 2, whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Which, by the way, that's a quote from Isaiah. They're actually demonstrating, what Paul is actually demonstrating is that Jesus of the New Testament is Yahweh of the Old Testament by comparing and applying the things mm-hmm. of Yahweh of the Old Testament to Jesus of the New Testament. But that's a different discussion for another day. It's now, a good Je- discussion. It is, but not one we have time for right now. Yes. We'll have to mark that for a future episode. Yes. And, and, if, and if you don't I'd believe that. that, Jesus claims this himself. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority? Oh. All. Why? Everything. Because he is God in flesh. He is Yahweh incarnate. He has all authority because he made things. All things are made through him and for him. I believe that's Colossians 1. Two. So, <clears throat> one, two. Read the book of Colossians. Colossians. Yeah. It'll do you good. It'll do you good. So there you go. Now, if you haven't figured out, this is discipline. I mentioned at the beginning, why does this matter? Mm. Well, because this is how the New Testament lives out the one another's. I mean, again, how will we demonstrate our love for our brother? We like to think of that only in positive terms. And this is one of the things you learn in education, that there is something called positive reinforcement and there is something called negative reinforcement. And both can be used for good. And both can be used for evil. Well, you, you see the same refrain over and over, you know, talking about God loves those who he disciplines. Yes. Well, it's, because you, you discipline your children because you love them. So think, think training your dog. There is positive reinforcement wherein the dog does something he's not supposed to do and you pop him on the nose with a rolled-up newspaper. That mm. is a negative reinforcement. Yeah. You are teaching the dog that if you do that, there is a negative consequence. Conversely, there is also a positive reinforcement. The dog does something that you want him to do, you give him a treat. You're teaching the dog what? There is a reward for this behavior. So this behavior is rewarded, this behavior is punished. Go read Deuteronomy, it'll do you good in regards to how God deals with his people in that, in that way. Specifically 28, 29, and 30. So... This is one of the ways that the one another's are worked out in real time in the church. We love our brother by doing good works for him. We love our brother by discipling him. We love our brother by caring for him. Yes, but we also love our brother by saying, hey, that's wrong. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. That's part of discipleship. That's part of living together in a messy world. It is how we live and work together. It is how this thing is supposed to work itself out so that 
we can accomplish all the things that God has given us to accomplish. Accountability is an important thing too. It and, is. and it builds That's up what the we're body. Talking about. We're talking about accountability to one another and feeling comfortable enough to say, Hey, Lou, you blew it. This well, is what, what I see and you know what? The other two guys they saw the they same saw thing the and the church thing. agrees with us. Right. Well, and here's the other thing. You should be able to be accountable who pe- to people that you love and love you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's this whole section of memes going around. I, I have I have TikTok installed on my phone for for giggles because there's some funny stuff in there. And yeah, it's it's kind of be fun. careful on it. But. Yeah, but every once in a while, it's it's nice to just take five minutes and just mindlessly scroll and get a couple of laughs and some things like that. Like I literally follow no one. I just you know see what the trends are, and one of them for a while was these women posting about what it's like to have a good guy, and so like the guy is washing dishes and his phone rings and he asks her to check the message. And he tells her the passcode of the phone, mm-hmm. and then he wants to know who the message is from, and then has her respond for. Her. And she's freaking out because, like, you don't let anybody look at your phone, and he's letting her look at her phone because he's not hiding anything. Right. He trusts her, and he expects her to trust him. Right. And she's freaked out because all she's used to is the stupidity of this world and its toxicity in relationships, where people don't trust each other and don't call each other on things. Right. That is way too accurate in the church. Yes. We hide more things from one another and pretend how we are more in church than we do anywhere else. I mean, we've made jokes about this for years. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. But why? Because we're unwilling to acknowledge a covenant community. We want to hold our covenant community at arm's length. Yeah. We have more in common with the worldliness around us more often than not than we do with our fellow brothers in Christ. Yeah. And that is to our shame. And it's not just to our shame, but it's to our detriment. We lose the benefits and blessings of what God is doing and accomplishing through the discipline and discipleship of those around us that he has empowered. Right. He has empowered these people. Now, here's the thing. You go, well, you don't know the types of churches that I've been in. Yes, I do. I've been in them. Mm-hmm. And you know what? When they mistreat you and they abuse this, you know what you do? You point out their sin, and if they refuse to repent, you go and get some brothers, and then you go down the road. I mean, this is just how this works. Right. We sharpen one another, which means sometimes when someone comes to sharpen you or you go to sharpen someone else, you're going to find that you or they are in the wrong. Right. And we need to be humble. We do. We need to be honest. We need to be humble. There are a lot and of we things. we need to be ready to, to repent when, when something is brought to our attention. And it's and it's and it's a real issue. Yeah, you know it is, and, and this matters though because when churches forsake this, and I can argue that in the United States especially, churches have predominantly forsaken this for probably the better part of fifty years. En mass, most churches have forsaken. Like if you ever want to have a laugh, um, my wife and I's home church goes and draws its history back to the mid eighteen hundreds, and they actually have records from meetings going back into the eighteen hundreds. Oh wow like the handwritten business meeting notes. And it's hysterical because we, you go back and read them and it's like on Sunday, you know, March whatever in 1887, they got together for Bible study on Sunday night and 27 people were there and five were absent. And so like they appointed somebody to call the five people that were at to go, go literally call upon, go to the house of the five people who were absent and check on them. And then like the meet notes for the next week are like, Four of them came back, one didn't, and they voted the person out because he wasn't coming back. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, he didn't have a good reason to stay home, and he, wasn't, he didn't repent for it, so they kicked him out of the church. And then, like, you read the same notes three weeks later, and the guy that they kicked out came back. And he apologized, and he repented, and he's restored to fellowship. And you're like, that's just trippy. 
Mm. Like if you did that today, right. they'd be like, I'm going, I'm going somewhere. Like there was nowhere else to go. There was a blessing to that. There's nowhere else to go. That's the church. Mm-hmm. That's your church. Get over it. You yeah. got to live with these people. Work with them. Mm. I mean, but it's fun to watch though because you, cause you're reading through these and you're seeing this like, like on this Sunday, they booted them out. Two Sundays later, they brought them back. On this Sunday, they sent somebody out. On this Sunday, they were sending people to the house. It's, it's funny. They, they did this. They were serious. Like they, they were. And yep. I'm laughing. I'm laughing reading it. But part of me is going, man, why can't we do that? Mm. And why can't, why is it not like that? And because we have forsaken that, because we're not willing to actually have those conversations, what chaos have we brought on ourselves? Where people think church online is church, that, you know, church, you know, 50 miles away is church. It's not a community anymore. It's just these people that I see once a week where I listen to a sermon and that's the last thing that has ever happened. And they're just not connected to each other or anything else anymore. We get chaos, chaos. And, and then we get the, the consumer mentality, and we go here, tither, and yon to do whatever we want, whenever we want, with whoever we want, and nobody can tell us no. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think that we're looking at two different – I mean, when you, when you think of the church back then, when you say community, they were a community. No, yeah, they didn't have a choice. And, and, and they, they cared about each other and what they were doing and how they were doing. You know, if somebody didn't show up, what happens if they were sick and in bed and couldn't get out? Yo, you sent somebody over there and you find out if they're all right. Well, and that's why they literally would appoint somebody at the meeting to go check because what was the first assumption? It's There's some, a reason right, you're not here. We need to, somebody needs to go find out what it is. That's my point, though. There's a real community. There yeah. was real care and concern, not See, only for the physical well-being but for the spiritual this is where distance time and technology hurts us because we don't have that naturally we have to go out of our way to create it we do we have to make it we have to create it ourselves this is this is why i'm big on you know like once a month we have lunch here at church we're getting together and stay if you actually gave me my druthers you know how often we would do that we would do that every week Mm -hmm. i would tell i would tell everybody bring a dish Mm -hmm. and we're gonna have lunch after church every week if you gave me my druthers and I thought we could make it work, we would do that every week. Just because it slows everything down. It just slows everything down. It's not who's got grocery appointments and who's got a hair appointment and who's doing this. It's No, the people of God are gathering together, not outside of the worship service. Breaking bread together. Yeah, that's why when we do our Wednesday night Bible study, we probably have about a 45-minute Bible study every week and we're here for two hours. Mm-hmm. And I don't complain because mo- for an hour or more of that two hours, what are we doing? Just being people in mm-hmm. community, talking right. about things, seeing what's going on in life, mm-hmm. as I joke, solving all of Western civilization's problems oh, and moving doing, on. We're doing well, aren't we? We are. We, we've got this worked out. If people would just listen to us. They would have all this figured out. <laughs> now, why do we tell you this story? Yeah, why is this so important? Well, because this is the big fallout in the Christian world today. Yeah. You know, if you, if you didn't see it, Ravi Zacharias, who is one of the foremost Christian apologists, is basically turns out that he was, for the majority of his adult life, uh, engaged in, this sounds like a bad movie plot, mm-hmm. but he was engaged in Southeast Asian massage parlors where he would sext, um, fondle, and in some instances rape the women who worked there. That's just frightening. Like, and, and, I, and I put cards on my table. Um, I am of the opinion rape should be a capital crime. Like if yeah, we find out you, if we I find out that. you raped a woman, I, I I'm one of those people. We should just like you know shot on sight, mm-hmm. convicted. Walk out the courtroom, put you down like a rabid dog. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're gonna old yeller you. That's mm-hmm. just how this should work. That's horrid. Yeah. 
Now, how does it happen? Have some fun. You ready? I'm going to give you some homework. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to give you some homework, and I'm going to give you the homework because I did it. Go to Google. If you don't like Google, the uh, search engine of your choice, and start searching around and find out, and you can report back, info at practicaltheologyministries.com, if you find the answer, and tell me what church Ravi Zacharias was a member of. Because I don't think you can find it, because I can't find it anywhere. His ministry was his church. That ain't good. That ain't good. Because there is no accountability. There is no functionality. And I'm not saying that if he was in a church, none of this would have happened. But there is a lesser chance Mm -hmm. that if he were in a consistent fellowship of Bible-believing Christians, calling one another to account, living and working together, that this is less likely to occur. And it is less likely to go on for apparently as long as it went on. Which is apparently most of his adult life. Yeah, that's pretty sad. It was I. I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked to find out that many people knew about this and perhaps maybe didn't say anything, or if they, I don't know. I really can't. I really can't speak to that. But no, no. Uh, the, I'm I'm just shocked. I, I as somebody who, I mean, I'm in seminary. I've been in seminary for years now. It seems, <laughs> and he's a big name. Yes, he's a very. Very smart guy. He was a very smart guy. Um, ministry that he started was is, was very important, teaching people how to um, divide the Word of God and, and and to give answers. I mean, maybe I mean we talked a little bit about this on the phone earlier today about his his reliance on you know on philosophy, philosophy over theology. Over theology. Which I have a genuine problem with. Yeah. I I I am not. Well, I'm probably much more presuppositional than most people. Mm-hmm. But I understand a lot of the evidentialists. I just don't agree with them. Right, right. I just don't agree that's the best way to do it. But he is very much on the evidentialist side. Right, right. And I have a genuine problem with that because I don't think that's evangelism. I think that is philosophy. We're not called to be philosophers. We're called to be mm-hmm. theologians and disciple makers. And yeah. there's a difference. We're warned against being de- deceived by vain philosophies. Yes. So, yes. Um, I mean, the Word of God is pretty clear on that. Uh, I'm just, you know, I, I'm just in shock. I mean, but it, it this cements the fact that we should not be propping people up like this guy is definitely was propped up. Well, and not just that, though, but there's a protection in the community. Right. I mean, go to the website for Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. We are a non-denominational ministry, not affiliated with any church. See, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. You should have a church. You should have people, and believe me, this is true for a lot of parachurch ministries. Look, I've told you this before. We are sitting in the sound booth in our sanctuary recording this Mm -hmm. at our church. Mm -hmm. There are people gathered outside for our Bible study that's going to start in about 10 minutes when we're done. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is is an extension of who we are as a church. This, I mean, we link to this from the church website. We link to the church website from, I mean, this, this is who we are. Yeah, for some of us, it's 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 a business, right? I mean, for and theologians. The problem, though, is I'm not a, I'm not even big on like ministries that I like that are disconnected from churches. You know, like if you're if you like wretched with Todd Friel, who I've listened to him for probably the better part of a decade now, mm-hmm. but it bugs me that that's not a ministry of a church. I know Todd's in a church. I know a lot of his board of directors are church men, but the same token, it's not a. It's not connected to the church. It is its own independent thing. And I understand part of why that is, but it always forces me to listen with a grain of salt. There's a level of protection that is not there because the community of faith is not behind it in the same way. And Freel will tell you that you should do the same thing. Hmm. You should be weary and that you should be in church mm-hmm. because it matters. And if your primary theology is that or your primary theology is this and not a local church, there's an imbalance there. 
I mean, we hope this is a blessing. Mm-hmm. But, if, but if this is it, and you're not in a faithful church, then that's a problem. And don't tell me there isn't one. Start one. Get some people together. Get some elders. Get some accountability. Study the word. Get some training and make it work. Yeah. There's, there's ways. I mean, I, look, I have been in some stinkers. Yeah. I, I have, honestly. And it, but you can make this work. If we are disconnected from the local body, and you can't just say, well, I'm a member of the universal church. Yes, you are. But that's just it. You can't see them. They don't see you at the grocery store. They don't see you at the gas station. They don't see you at the restaurant. They don't see you, you know, when you're allowed to do those things, when you know, COVID isn't killing everyone. <laughs> you know, they don't see you living your life day in and day out. Your local people do. Mm-hmm. And that's good because you need this. I mean, I guarantee you Ravi didn't wake up one day, like in 1972. And he'd be like, you know what I'm going to do? Get to go see some prostitutes in a massage parlor and abuse the tar out of them. Like, that's not how that went. Mm-mm. I guarantee that I, if, you, you'll have to check with God in eternity, but I guarantee you that that went down, that he actually went to an actual massage parlor and found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing with the wrong people. And then from there, what ends up happening? Yeah, it's a slippery slope, isn't it? Yeah, and the snowball goes down the hill, and halfway down the hill, you realize what? I can't stop this thing anymore. I need somebody else to help me stop this. I need somebody else to help me do this. And the problem is when you don't have that connection because you're jetting off here, tither, and yon, because you're in it. You don't have that accountability. There's nobody there to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And I don't care how good your corporate structure is, it's not good enough because it is not the God-ordained and empowered local community of faith. Mm -hmm. That is what Jesus is pointing you to. First instance of the use of church in the New Testament is by Christ before the church even exists because he's telling you this is how this is going to work. If you don't have that local connection, you don't have a secure anchor. You have no chance. Something will get you. There, I've joked before, there's no Clint Eastwood Christianity, you know, like the man and his horse alone on the frontier with his gun. That's not how Christianity works. Hmm. We're not Clint Eastwood. We're the, we're the Magnificent Seven. We ride together. I can't think of the theme song to the Magnificent Seven right now. I can't now, either. So you, if you can, repent. Hmm. And go listen to some hymns. <laughs> so... Be a part of your congregation. Be involved. More importantly, let other people be involved with you. Look, I'm an introvert, but you can do this. I've managed to make it work. You can do this and be a part of people's lives and let people actually be a part of your life. It is good for you, it is good for your soul, and it is good for the kingdom. Have we left anything out today? I don't think so. I think we're pretty thorough. All right, so what have we learned here today, children? Jesus commissioned a church. Hmm. That is Matthew 18. Local accountability is vital. Catch that word. Local. When the local connection is lost, so are we. So are we. So if you find where Ravi Zacharias has his church membership or you have other questions, send them to info at practicaltheologyministries.com. You can go to that website, find all the links, find all the resources that we've got. It'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. It'll do you good. Um, Check all that out again. Questions, comments, complaints, send them on in. We'll be glad to answer them. Um. Until next time, then, I think that's everything. So read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.